Hello, and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast with uh, me, Brooke McCallery, and uh, my husband, Ben. He's my, my co-host. Uh, this is episode 10. Double figures, y'all. Double figures. <laughs> I didn't know if we'd make, make it this far. Uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been fun so far. I hope you guys are enjoying, enjoying the podcast. I'm getting a lot of good, um, good feedback. But today's episode is such a great chat with um, Courtney Carver, actually, from BeMoreWithLess.com. Those of you who are in the slightest bit kind of into the minimalism scene or read about it, looking to simplify and declutter, I'm sure you've heard of her. Nope. Uh, well, no, but you haven't heard of anybody that I <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, it's Courtney, not only does she write it, be more with less, but she's also the creator of project 333, which is a minimalism, uh, wardrobe challenge. And the idea is to get people to live for three months with only 33 items of clothing. And that clothing, that 33 items includes shoes, underwear, accessories, that kind of thing. Oh, maybe not underwear. Um, yeah, and it's it's taken off over the last year or so. It's just being referenced everywhere. I think she was in the Oprah magazine. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's it's that's something that she's really passionate about. We talk about it a lot in today's interview. Was that something that inspired you for? Remember when you did two thousand and thirteen, two thousand and thirteen? You know the declutter thing. Yeah, I is did. that is that that sort of? Yeah, I think for a while there, putting a number on the amount of things that we got rid of really helped. Yeah. Totally. Um, I, you know, I actually counted the number of items that we got rid of for a few years. One year was a lot more than 2,000. It was more like 20,000. Yeah. But uh, I don't count anymore, first of all, because I don't really have much to declutter anymore. But, yeah, it was... It's a nice way of saying, oh, my God, I've got so much yeah. stuff and tens of thousands of things, and you just don't realise it. Well, you don't. No. You know, there's the average American house has something like 300,000 items in it. So, you know, people would look at me like I was crazy when I said we decluttered 20,000 in a year. But that's, you know, may, maybe a bit more than 10% for us because I don't think that we had that much to begin with. But, yeah, it's really not a huge ask. So I think putting a number on it can be really helpful, and that's what Courtney's done with the Project 333. And as this is episode number 10, you can go to slowyourhome.com forward slash 10 for all your your show note needs, um, as well as a whole heap of links to Courtney's work. Anything else to add? Uh, No, just that today's episode is uh, is sponsored by The Bloom, which is uh, my brand new community website that uh, I launched a few weeks ago. Members pay $10 a month, and for that they get access to our private forum. And not our private forum, like mm. is it between you and me? <laughs> no, not that private forum. <laughs> the Bloom's private forum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and they also get access to weekly uh, video calls where you can come in, ask a question if you're struggling with something, and also a, um, a library of interviews and projects, checklists, worksheets, things like that, that help people and support people through the process of simplifying and slowing down. What would be in our private forum? (laughs) Are we asking this? (laughs) We'll open it up to listeners. We'll edit that out. That's what we'll do. (laughs) So uh, if you are interested in in joining The Bloom or learning a little bit more, head over to thebloom.co. Co and uh, yeah, you can learn 
uh, about the resources that are available to members, a little bit more about what we do and our aims. And um, yeah, I would absolutely be thrilled to have you you join. So go over to thebloom.co and check it out. Enjoy today's episode, my uh, my conversation with Courtney. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for uh, talking to me today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk a little bit more to you. We've had little conversations here and there, so this will be a great uh, great chance to catch up. It will. You know, it's it's funny. You feel like you get to know somebody via very brief you know, email exchanges or uh, really quick interactions online, but uh, it's it's something else to sit and have an actual conversation, so I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Um, so I know most people listening know who you are and they know a bit about what you do, but, um, can you, first of all, just talk to me a little bit about what it is that you do at Be More With Less and, uh, how it is that you came to start your blog and start writing about minimalism? Sure. Uh, well, I started Be More With Less in, uh, let's see, May of 2010. So I'm sneaking up on my uh, fifth year anniversary of writing for the blog, which is really exciting for me. It's been a a crazy five years, um, but really fun. I mean, some of work that I've enjoyed more than any other work I've done in my life. So that's been really a great treat. And a few years prior to that, in 2006, I was diagnosed with MS. And that was sort of my catalyst for simplifying my life. And I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know I was simplifying my life when that happened. But I knew that in order to live well with this disease, I had to uh, eliminate as much stress as I could from uh, my life, from my diet, from my home, from my relationships, from my work. And uh, slowly but surely, that I realized that that's what I was doing, was simplifying Uh, And it's been really powerful for me, um, both in improving health and doing work that I am just crazy about, which uh, is what I do on Be More With Less. And so I uh, consider my work to be uh, the majority of it writing for the blog. And I've created some different ebooks and courses, and I do a little bit of one-on-one coaching and uh, speaking as well. So I find it really interesting that you kind of adopted the simple living lifestyle before knowing that that was really a thing. So um, how did you feel when you, I mean, so 2006 and you slowly started to make the changes to impact your health in a positive way. How did you then discover, um, you know, the idea of voluntary simplicity and minimalism? And did that kind of, I don't know, did that surprise you that other people were engaging with that kind of lifestyle at the same time? Well, I should say, I think I knew that it was a thing. I just didn't know it was my thing. (laughs) I didn't know that's what I was doing uh, because I was just focused on the action and not really what it all meant at first because it really came from a place of fear initially. You know, I was really afraid that the disease would progress or that things would get out of control. And so I think by 
taking action that allowed me to sort of slow down and, and, and start to heal. And with every little change that I made, and I really tried to make them as close to one at a time as possible. So I started with my diet. And when I realized that I was removing things uh, and, and creating, for instance, a simpler way of eating, and then with debt, you know, reducing the debt was really easing stress and simplifying my finances, I, I soon put a name to it. And I had read um, several years before a book called uh, Your Money or Your Life, and that really resonated with me. It was all about uh, choosing time over money, really, and thinking about what when you were spending on something, how many hours you really had to work for that one thing. But I think the book came too soon for me because I was in a place where you know I was working a lot, I had a lot of debt. I had been living that lifestyle for a long time, and I just thought, I know how to do this. Even though it's complicated, it's going to be way harder to change everything up and go in the direction of this book. So even though I resonated with the idea, I didn't take action. But then years later, uh, when I started to simplify um, for better health and Uh, better relationships, it sort of that book came back to me. And I was thinking about um, all of the things, all of the great advice in that book. And it really helped, you know, even many years later. It's, um, is, is, I don't want to sound sensationalist with this question. But so do you think that the changes that you've made over the past almost 10 years, uh, have they helped you manage your health and, and improve your health and your MS as well? Completely, actually. Yes. I, I would say that I am healthier now than I was even before I was diagnosed or before I had MS. I'm a healthier, happier person as a result of these changes. Uh, I feel like I finally got off that uh, high-speed treadmill or hamster wheel mm-hmm. or whatever it was that I was on, uh, not, not really thinking there was another way for me. Uh, but this was a wake-up call that I couldn't ignore and I couldn't keep pushing through because I feel like even though all of those things didn't cause the MS, you know, they weren't the cause, the root cause of the disease, they certainly exacerbated my symptoms. And if I had kept up on that path, I, I'm sure that I would have continued to go downhill. Mm. Um, but on the flip side, because of the positive changes that I made, over a long stretch of time, mind you, you know, this wasn't an overnight uh, transformation, but over this period of time, I just continue to feel better and, uh, you know, both in just how I feel and then through neurological exams and MRIs, you know, there I'm better. I'm getting better. I think that's amazing. It's just incredible. Um, I've been doing a little bit of reading about the impact on the the brain of uh, you know, mindfulness and meditation. And I've got a, an interview next week with a uh, neurologist, but she studies the neuroplasticity and how the brain actually changes in a, you know, in a positive way when we engage with a slower, simpler, less stressful way of life. Um, so you were, you were talking about the, the fact that you made the changes 
in a in a really intentional slow kind of way is that something that you would recommend to people to kind of make one or one or maybe two small changes at a time and really engage with them uh, before moving on to the next change that's really what worked best for me and for that reason I do recommend it only because it gives you a chance to focus on that one thing that you're doing uh, and it also allows that change to create the momentum and confidence you really need to make the next change. Uh, so those were the, the real benefits for me. And then as a, another benefit, it was great that I didn't have to disrupt my family in the process. Mm-hmm. So it I feel like if I had tried to change more radically and there were times that I wanted to, um, but I think if I had done that, I would have caused more stress than I was eliminating because I was, I would have just been making everyone's lives more difficult around me. And so this way we could sort of make the transition together. Um, even though we weren't all on the same page, um, I think it's pretty rare when that does happen. So it gave everybody a chance to sort of ease in. Did was did you ever get uh, any significant pushback on a particular thing? You know, a particular change that you were you were wanting to make? Because uh, I know I I resonate a lot with what you're saying. You know, sometimes I, I kind of think, well, if I if I if I live my by myself, uh, you know, I would make these changes in a much different kind of way but the reality is that that's your family and that's your life and you you don't want to make life stressful for the people that you live with and the people you surround yourself with but was there anything that your husband or your daughter kind of really struggled with or battled with you on I don't think there were any major battles but they didn't make all of the same changes that I did either so mm-hmm. when I for instance eliminated um, animal meat animal protein from my diet They didn't do that with me. They supported it um, and they joked through it when I would cook dinner and try some some new dish that didn't have meat and they'd say, this is really good. You know what would make this even better? Meat. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. So uh, they'd get their two cents in, but it was in a a very um, humorous, loving way. Uh, And, you know, there were things that I was ready to let go of that Perhaps my husband wasn't right away, but it always seemed to come around within a few months that uh, he was ready. So it was for us, it was about really focusing on not the little, like, should we keep this? Should we get rid of it? But more the bigger benefits long term. You know, once I had my health uh, managed and I was feeling much better, I started to think about all of the other things that could happen in our lives as a result of getting rid of things and simplifying our busyness and really focusing on what we cared about. And that, when we talked about those things, that really helped fuel the the cha- more challenging decluttering. Yes, that's something that I kind of encourage people to do as well. You think kind of long-term, you think about the why that you're doing it, you know, if you want to travel or get out of debt or, you know, have a more adventurous life or move to the country or move to the city or, you know, spend more quality time together or quit your job or whatever it is, if you can focus on those bigger, broader goals, the, you know, the little decisions about should I, you know, should I declutter my wardrobe or do we need this book or they don't, they don't become the issue. Uh, you know, I think it's it's really helpful to be able to think, broader and and longer term on it 
Exactly. It gives you some leverage, you know, when you really understand that why and you compare it, you know, do I want this pan or do I want to travel for a month next year? That's right. (laughs) Gee, that's a really tough, that's a tough decision. Yeah. (laughs) And it really is as simple as that in so many cases. And just to back up for a minute, when you were talking about, or we were talking about how that radical change can really disrupt the family that was my reasoning for not going fast and furious. But in reality, it was also to my advantage because I know that when I make changes really fast, I never stick to them. They are not sustainable. So going slowly and allowing something to become sort of the new normal really helped me uh, make it part of my life. I think that's something that people, um, you know, we're, we're the, the generation of immediate gratification instant gratification and when we decide to make a change or we we want to make 10 of them and we want them all to stick Mm -hmm. and it's sometimes difficult for us to kind of slow down and make that intentional one or two changes live with them for a while and I love that term the new normal because you know you you look back six months you know in the future and you look back at what what things were like and you think oh well it is it is now the new normal but it just it's a process and it's hard to rush it. I, that's what I've found as well anyway. Totally. I, that's, that's been my experience. If you could go back in 10 years, uh, what would you tell past Courtney? What would you like her to know? Oh, my gosh. There's so many different parts of 10 years ago that I could have had a, a conversation with myself if I knew now <laughs> what I or knew then what I know now. I get that confused sometimes, but I think uh, most immediately is uh, to to leave room for hope and not let that fear take over your mind. Uh, and at first, especially when I was first diagnosed with this disease, it was just it felt like all fear. Mm. You know, I had just gotten married the year before, and my husband and I are really active, so we do a lot of hiking and skiing, and all of our our dates seem to be uh, outdoors and doing really adventurous things. And all I could think of is, you know, I might not be able to walk in six months. And I think that's sort of part of the process that you have to go through those terrifying thoughts. Uh, And unfortunately, a lot of, especially 10 years ago, a lot of the reading material out there was not all that optimistic. Uh, the MS world has come a long way in 10 years, I can say, um, with available treatments and people doing really well, uh, living really well with the disease, um, and many people virtually symptom-free. So I guess I would just say, you know, take a deep breath. Whatever you're thinking is probably far worse than than things are going to be. And then also, which I still tell myself now when, when I'm faced with something that I, I'm not certain of the outcome, I just take that deep breath and think it's, it's going to work out the way it's going to work out. So I just kind of give it space to unfold. And I think that's the best that we can do, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a, a good place to – a good conversation to have <laughs> with pretty much anyone. Um, so a big part of your, your message over, over the last couple of years, at least has been, um, you centered on project three, three, three. So that's a, a minimalist clothing challenge that you, you, that, that you created. 
Can you tell me a little bit about why you created that project? It was a was a you know an overstuffed wardrobe something that you struggled with, and is this something is it is it a is it something that you created to help yourself, or was it something that you could see other people struggling with? It definitely started as a personal experiment mm-hmm. in 2010, and I shared uh, my idea on be more with less to encourage other people to uh, either try it or let me know what they thought about it. And I thought everyone is just going to think I am crazy mm-hmm. because for, at that time, thinking about only 33 items for three months, and I was including um, clothes, shoes, jewelry, and accessories and outerwear, um, I just thought, I thought it was a little crazy myself, but I thought it would be fun to try for three months. And the reason that I wanted to do that is because my closet was the one place that I went to every day and thought, what is all this stuff doing in here? You know, what, how did this happen? And I knew I had clothes in my closet, clothes in a a bureau, clothes in storage for, uh, like in the, in the garage or wherever for other seasons. And I just thought this is the most excessive area of my life in terms of stuff. And so if I can figure out what enough means here, maybe I can really have a good grasp on what enough is in other areas of my life. And I thought if I made it really challenging, then I could kind of work back. So I could go all the way to 33 items. And then after the three months, if it wasn't enough, um, add pieces back in. Uh, but as it turns out, it was enough, and it was enough in the the fall and the winter, and even more than enough in the summer. So I've stuck with it. <laughs> I, I'm so impressed. I mean, I'm not far off that I think, um, but I, I really love looking through the the Project Three 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 site and also the links that you share and see how people approach it because there's so many uh, creative, you know, creative ways to to dress with a, a small wardrobe. And I think that's often one of the things that people ask me about. It's it's an area that we understand is it's not serving us because we open our wardrobes and we think, oh, I've got, you know, 100 items of clothing here and I actually have nothing to wear. So, you know, having more is not serving us particularly well. But I think people often think that they need, uh, you know, a, a lot of clothes for you've got work and you've got you know play and you've got home and you've got going out clothes and exercise clothes and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's not necessarily about the numbers, but about the the intention and the the way that you put it together. So you actually exactly don't need. yeah. I, I love looking at your photos as well when you post your outfits. It's just you know it's 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 fun to see how people put together a small amount of clothes, and it's it's plenty. You know, it um, is plenty, and yeah. I don't think it's that we think we need so much, but we are just never satisfied. And clothing is that easy purchase, so you can buy something without breaking the bank. And I think that it's like little, little highs when you buy a new dress or a new pair of shoes or a new jacket. And you, at least for me, like I would tell myself I need this for an event that's coming up. But I think for me, it was really more of a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. uh, Or at least that's what I thought it was. I never really connected the dots that I was in debt because I was relieving stress by spending money that I didn't have, which was causing more stress. (laughs) So that was a big eye opener for me. Um, but even when I had all the clothes, I still only wore, you know, a handful of, of things. And 
So now I don't have the guilt of ignoring all that other stuff or the guilt of, oh, I spent so much money on everything that I'm not wearing or, you know, my clothes are wrinkled because they're all mashed together in the closet. Whatever it was, that's gone completely. And that was a huge chunk of of stress for me. How would you... How, or how do you recommend people start if they're interested in trying it? You know, do you recommend uh, just bite the bullet and do the project for three months and see? And, you know, people can always put their extra clothes in storage. They don't have to throw them away or give them away or sell them. Do you recommend that people start, you know, kind of cold turkey? I do. Uh, and I don't think, like you mentioned, that the number is that important. Yes, it's called Project 333, but if – 45 items for three months is your number, then that's your number. But set a, set the parameters in advance, what you're willing to commit to for three months. And three months is not a long time. It goes by so fast. And like you said, I highly recommend just simply boxing everything up that you're not using and get it out of sight so that you don't think about it. You're not remembering what's in the box. And you think you'll miss it, but after a week, you you hardly remember what's in there. And then at the end of the three months, after you have that information on how, you know, how it went on a day-to-day basis, revisit those boxes and decide then, you know, is this right for me? And when I went back to those boxes, I would say 80% of it went immediately to donation because it wasn't me and it never was, but I I was so overwhelmed with the chaos of my closet that I had no idea what I enjoyed wearing. That's something that I've loved over the last couple of years because I, I don't, um, you know, my husband and I share quite a small uh, wardrobe and there's just not room for a lot of things. But for a while, it didn't stop me trying to cram as much in there as <laughs> sure. possible. But I, just over the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed getting to know what I like wearing. And rather than, I used to worry maybe that people would think that I wore the same kind of stuff all the time. Now, I, well, first of all, I don't care. Um, you know, if people pay attention to that, that's fine. But second of all, I really like owning that kind of uniform, I guess, in a certain way. You know, I like wearing particular things and I'm comfortable in it. And that's when I feel the best. It's not a stress to get up in the morning and decide what to wear. It's just, you know, it's relegated to the level of importance that it should be in life. It's, exactly. You know, it's not one of the big things. <laughs> right. And you get to wear your favorite things every exactly. day, which is awesome. Exactly. I don't save things for, you know, for a special occasion so much anymore. That, you know, wondering if people would notice was really one of my biggest concerns because when I started the project, I was working full time um, for a media company and I was meeting with clients every day, going to evening events, business lunches, uh, sales meetings. And so I was with people every day and no one noticed. (laughs) And it just made me smile every day thinking, I I used to think you really cared what I was, how I showed up here, what clothes I was wearing, but nobody cares. (laughs) There was recently, I'm sure you saw it, the uh, the story of the woman who I think she worked maybe for Vanity Fair and she wore a uniform to work, same thing, a white silk blouse and a, I think black black pants every day for a year. I did. Yeah. I saw that. It was great. It was. And, it, you know, it just got people talking about it. Um, and, and the fact that it was a chic, you know, fashionable, lovely outfit helped, I guess. But 
you know, she, the fact remains she wore the same thing every day and I'm sure a lot of people just didn't notice because people just don't notice that sort of thing. Yeah, it really surprises me or maybe it doesn't surprise me, but I guess I'm I'm happy that, you know, since 2010, I sort of thought maybe this would be a, a passing fad. I knew it wouldn't be for me in my life because of how powerful it was, but I thought we're going to talk about capsule wardrobes for a couple of years and then we're not. And now you can see there's just more and more coming out on how to do it, uh, on successful people wearing uh, fewer pieces of clothing to prevent decision fatigue. Uh, it's I think it's just becoming more and more mainstream. And I think that we'll find that uh, there are more people creating uh, wardrobes for the people that want the capsule wardrobe that don't want to think about creating it themselves. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's been a, a really big shift over the last couple of years, both in you know the the, the separate areas of life, like a wardrobe or um, you know like the home decor and things like that, where people are starting to embrace the idea of simplicity. And I, I always also wondered whether it was going to be kind of a passing thing and, and soon enough excess will be back in fashion and, you know, it'll be about how many pairs of jeans we own and that sort of thing. But I, I don't I actually don't think so. I think people are it's it's not about the fashion, it's not about um the 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 trend so much, but about the benefit that people are, are getting from having less. Exactly. Yeah. Um do you have one item of clothing that you wouldn't want to be without? Mm, not really. I mean, I wear, so I wear jeans a lot mm-hmm. uh, I wear a blazer quite a bit. Um, but not, there's no one particular item of clothing that I own that I wouldn't mind if I didn't have, like I, if I had a different pair of jeans, but so I'm not really overly attached to any of it, I guess. Sure. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, I, just more if there was a staple few items, you know, like jeans or a blazer that you would either recommend to people or that you that it, that you always have in your wardrobe as you rotate oh, through the seasons. And yes, so I almost always have a pair of like a pair of skinny jeans, a black tank, and a, either navy or black blazer, uh, a scarf, uh, sunglasses. Those are sort of my my staples, and they're in every all four seasons, and sometimes the same exact ones. I mean, my obviously sunglasses are the same, uh, and the clothes I keep until they wear out in most cases. Um, but they don't wear out. You know, I've had some people ask me, "Well, don't your clothes wear out faster?" And that hasn't been the, my experience. You know, I try to wash things on cold or. Uh, cold with cold water and on a gentle cycle and I uh, hang dry things that, that don't need to go through the dryer. Uh, and my clothes seem to last just as as well as they were lasting before. Yeah, I find the same thing, actually. Um, I The only things that I probably would keep in my wardrobe all the time would be, I, I'm, you know, I wear jeans, I have two pairs of jeans and uh, you know, grey t-shirt, white t-shirt, black, uh, black singlet, and a, you know, I've got a denim jacket. That kind of thing. It's just, um, you know, my denim jacket I think is maybe fifteen years old. <laughs> so it's just a, a matter of, again, like you say, of, of looking after the things you have as well. Do you focus on 
buying uh, a higher quality now that you have fewer clothes? Yeah, it really all depends on what the item is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I'm probably more thoughtful about what I purchase now. And mostly because when I'm purchasing something, it's, you know, once in a couple of months or in three months instead of, I don't know how much I was buying before, but according to my closet, I was buying a lot. <laughs> so I'd go, you know, shopping and I'd have no item on the agenda. I was just shopping mm-hmm. for fun. And so whatever I thought looked good on that day was probably coming home with me. Um, and now it'll be, okay, I need a, a blazer for instance. And so I'll really be thoughtful and look at different styles that I like and not in a, an all consuming kind of way, but just, I know I'm going to be keeping this piece for probably a few years at least. And so I want to make sure it's, it is built to last. However, with something like a, a plain t-shirt or a tank top, I might not, I might just find something that fits well knowing that it might be the kind of item you have to replace in a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I probably spend the most time looking at, at jeans because that's what I wear every day. Sure. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know if this is going to gross people out or not, but I actually don't wash my jeans very often. That seems to help keep them, uh, you know, in a better condition for longer. Somebody suggested to me, uh, that, if I ever wanted to freshen them up, put them in a plastic bag and put them in the freezer. And I have done that and it works. No so, kidding. I've never yeah. heard that. Um, so, yeah, the jeans that I have now, this is probably too much information. I've never washed them. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, they're a, a, a raw denim. So they were never washed before they were they were made. And apparently the longer that you, you don't wash them, the better they, they fit. And it's true. So if anybody is curious as to how to look after their jeans and they don't want to wash them, stick them in the freezer. And so you put them in a plastic bag yeah. and you seal the bag and then how long do you leave them in the freezer? Um, well, <laughs> I was going to just leave them for, you know, a, a day, but I forgot about them. <laughs> and uh, it was during summer, so uh, I didn't need them. And I went to get something out of the freezer. What's this? Oh, it's my jeans, of course. <laughs> but it didn't seem to harm them, so that was probably about a week. Uh, yeah, but I think maybe just a, a few hours to freshen them up. Wow, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, so that's my tip for the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm you know, cautious of running over time, but just one last question. If there was one piece of advice you could offer to people who are either currently looking to simplify or struggling through the process of simplifying, uh, what, what would you tell them? Well, I would tell them more than one thing, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be, first of all, to start small in whatever that looks like for you and know that that small start is going to grow into something big over the years. Uh, but it's worth starting now because every year that you wait, you know, another year goes by that would have passed anyway. So this is really the best time to start. And at the same time, I'd say because we're getting so much of our information from uh, media and blogs and online information, and people are in such different places, not to compare where you are today with where someone else is because they started five years ago or three years ago or whenever it was, their lifestyle's different, uh, their approach may have been different. And so it's really about creating a meaningful journey for yourself that works well for you and your family. 
think it's such good advice because I think particularly in today's society where, you know, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Twitter and blogs and everything else, it's so easy to play that comparison game. Uh, I mean, I know when I first started simplifying, I, I fell into the exact same trap and wondered, well, why doesn't my life look like that or feel like that or sound like that? That's because, well, you know, I'm dealing with uh, a whole decade's worth of stuff that I've been accumulating and I'm three weeks into the process, you know. So it's really important, I think, like you said, to not compare and also be gracious with yourself. You know, you're, you're doing good work and it's just going to take time. Yeah, and you have to celebrate along the way, not wait until your kitchen looks exactly like you think it should look. But when your one of your kitchen drawers looks like you want it to look, then celebrate that. But I think you're right with the social uh, media is, unfortunately, we typically only share our highlights. Mm-hmm. So we'll share the best looking dinner ever. But that, uh, that thing that we made that totally flopped and looks terrible, we're not putting on Instagram. And so it's a really... Uh, skewed look, I think, at reality. And, but as long as you remember that going in, I think you can just have fun with it and appreciate the inspiration where it is and just don't turn it into a comparison game. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, most people understand that it's, uh, you know, when we're immersed in it, maybe more than we should be, it's, it's harder to, to stay clear headed about it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I love Instagram and that sort of thing. I find it, it's just fun, you know, but it's not, it's not life. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been wonderful talking to you. Is there, uh, could you tell us where people could find out a little more about you? Uh, sure. Probably the best place is bemorewithless.com. And then there are all sorts of uh, links there that you can find uh, things like Project 333 or other, other things you're interested in. Excellent. I will uh, include links to to your website and to Project 333 as well in the show notes so people, if they're interested in checking more of it out, and I would highly recommend it, they can just head over to, to the show notes. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting with you. It's nice to have a, you know, a longer conversation. Yeah, next time we have to do it in person. Yes, please. Okay. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks. has been another episode of the slow home podcast if you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe via itunes and leave us a rating or a review thanks for listening